We're back. FOTB podcast. It's one sack. It's Noah. Kicking it off. Liverpool against Wolves. Yo, Liverpool. What? What do you? What's your take on Liverpool as of late? They're looking like they're making a charge. Do you think that they could possibly be title challengers this season? I mean, I I told you before, right? They're the only ones that I, I see really coming close to to City. But they're nowhere near their performance level. The score, obviously, the same three one. Uh, both teams beat, uh, went went away from home and, and beat the opponent three one. But um, they won the game with a ten minute spell. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So I mean, it looks like Liverpool is kind of relying on those spells, though. Same thing against Newcastle. They had that quick spell, double right. shot in, and now here against Wolves again. Both I mean, towards the yeah, both towards the end of the game, yeah. Right. So, I mean, are we looking at a side that is grinding out results and showing their champion champion mentality? Or are we looking at a side that is just scraping away? It's, it's, it's really tough to tell. It's too early for us to really make an accurate assessment. Yeah, but one thing still remains the same is, is that Salah, I mean, this so-called Club 2.0, Salah's 31, but he's going to be the key player for this team, for this new new look Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. Because... And that was going to be my next question to you is how, I mean, we always knew that he was obviously the most important player, but now more than ever again, it's seeming like yet again, he's proving vital to Liverpool despite the links away as well to the Saudi club. He's worth more than 200 million pounds to them because I, I think they offered up to 150 of course, that was towards the end of the end of the window, but yeah, this guy is not replaceable. You can give him all, you can give him all the money you want in the world. You're not finding a Salah for Liverpool, really. Yeah, for Liverpool, for Liverpool, honestly, and it's actually quite astonishing because how do you think they're gonna hold up if he were to leave? The goals will dry up. You know, I think he should have had three assists uh, yesterday, right? Pretty much. It's him. It's his team. Like, it's simple as. It's his team. That's what I was about to say. He's he, Recently as well, he's been proving a lot more than just the goals, to be honest. So, yo, credit has to be given where it's due. So, yo, Salah, right there, he's arguably one of the best Premier League players of all time. Yeah. But, yo, your side. Ah, uh, boy. Anyways. Start the clock. Let's hear it. Give me two minutes, yeah, because I don't want to. I don't want to make it too long. But I mean, I I say to you, this guy needs to go. This guy's in the manager. I'm not saying he actually needs to go, um, because w- what's that gonna achieve, you know? But there are so many worrying signs. Like I'm not just saying this because of the results. The guy's been getting found out tactically every single game. You know, uh, Tottenham, second half, he failed to make adjustments when Madison uh, was getting more free on the ball. No adjustments made and, you know, two goals conceded. Against Brighton, we start off well uh, and Deserby makes makes a bit of change, you know, dropping the, the attackers to the middle to flood the middle and then play the ball out wide to the fullbacks. No answers. He's getting taught left, right, center by the, by the opponents. But by, by the opposition managers, and he he looks like he's out of ideas, you know. Like it's the same thing that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was was criticized for, 
out of ideas. We don't know what, what he's trying to do. He can't seem to respond in-game. What's the difference? He's been able to... And I don't get it because he was... Last season, He uh, uh, we scored the most goals or our subs scored the most goals, meaning, you know, we're... He's, he was seeing the game well and making the right decisions. So I, I don't know what's happened to this guy, but combined with the, the dreadful style of football that we're playing, I don't think he's the answer, really. And of course, the problem stems from way above him. I'm not saying this is all his fault, but he's not faultless like some fans. Some fans are saying he's not the problem. He can be a part of the problem. Both things can be true. Well, okay, with this talk, a lot of the, the attention has been put towards Ten Hag and Man United. I want to I want to flip the, the perspective a little bit. How much credit do we need to give Brighton for this performance? Yet again, they've come out with another convincing victory. Is this all down to Man United not performing? Or is some of this also Brighton's good work? I I didn't think they were that magnificent. Um, we made it so easy for them. They they had three chances and they made it three nil. It it wasn't like they, I mean they they dominated us in a sense of they were able to play their their. It was so easy for them in a sense. But in an attacking sense, I was not in. It was not like they blew us off the park. We were just that bad. So, a credit word still okay. I mean, Deserby's been in in the job for less than, I think today's a year mark. I think actually for him. So credit where it's due, but it wasn't like Brighton were the, the prime Barcelona or anything like that. If if it was, then I'll I'll put my hand up and say, whoa, there was nothing we could do. This was Brighton's second team, you know. S2 Pinan was was back from the international uh break, South America, so he didn't play. Um the striker Evan Ferguson didn't play. Joao Pedro didn't play. Um uh, I'm forgetting uh Joao Pedro scored, no? He he came on as a sub, but like the the start the side that started was was almost a second string side for Brighton, and the fact that a second string side are able to just play the uh, us <laughs> off the park so easily. What are you doing, Ten Hag? Like what? Wh- I what's his idea? Yeah, it's a it's it's big questions to ask still, but that's a good that's you know before I move on from that, it's an interesting point you mentioned about the subs. Or the starting side really being the the second string team, at this point it seems like Brighton. It doesn't even matter personnel wise who is on the field. We always say this. It comes down to just their system. So, yo, I mean, it, it just comes back to the circle what we're talking about. The credit that just is needed for Brighton and their side this season, in in my opinion at least, a side that possibly deserves more credit than they're getting at the moment. As much as I hate to say it. Tottenham, they're looking, they're looking annoying. <laughs> well, what annoyed me the more, even more after the result is, I checked the result. Obviously, it was one 0 to Sheffield United. I'm like, all right, at least somebody dropped points too. I go on my phone five minutes later, and it's two one. This is not in Tottenham's DNA. We we've never seen Tottenham do this kind of thing before. So, I I mean, I'm still not convinced. Like you, I'm sure you aren't either. But yeah, it's it's a different Tottenham side. That I mean, you you have to say that it's it's a bit different. You know, it, we we don't know if it's legit yet, but it's a bit different. Yeah, it's different, and it's low key scary, bro. Because 
Like I train them next week. It, that too, but also just the fact that this manager is new. We don't know where well, Alice I never knew much about him prior. So it's like I don't know what to expect. I don't know if this is like a fluke, as we've said in the past, in the in the last epi we we're talking about that. Is this is this a fluke? Is this the 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 start of bounce with a new manager like we always say? Or is is it real? We can't really tell yet. Again, like we said before, it's just too early. It's too early to say. So make we see. Next week's gonna be a big fixture for both sides, I may say. Aside both sides picking up points though. Level on points right now, just separated by goal difference. So let's see. It's gonna be very interesting. But the side that's clear at the moment, Manchester City. What we're looking at for them is it is too easy. Yeah. Um I think I think something that we kind of glossed over is is the I think it was a young player, young signing of the season, I think we called it. Jeremy Doku. Pep Guardiola come out after the after the game saying, you know, all, all sorts of praises for this guy. Um his his future is bright, like we said. He scored the equalizer, obviously. How how did you view his game? And and because I know you, you you like him quite a bit, so he's definitely dangerous, very very dangerous. And I think there's a lot more terrorizing to come from him in world football. Honestly, just just a scary prospect. And I think when it says a lot, the fact that he's coming and he's already getting the the level of game time under Pep that we're seeing from him is very impressive. No, I know that. Rotation is bound to happen in that squad, but hats off to him for getting the game time because he's looking to be a key asset for City. Yeah, and like we said, just the type of player that they were missing. They haven't had that since Bernardo kind of declined from that role about two, three years ago. Yeah. And even, I... even that, Bernardo was a different type of, of player, dribbler than, than Doku. Yeah, yeah, I think, like we said last time, we were looking at, like, it really brings the Sane and Sterling era back. Really does. But, yo, Newcastle scraping away with the win against Brentford. Yo, Newcastle, what's the, what's the possibilities now for them? Are they back on the climb? Because... I didn't feel like this was very convincing from them, if we're being real. No, it wasn't. And they were aided by Mark Flicken. Uh, I can see why there were doubts over this guy. Going from David Raya to, to Flecken, who not a not a bad keeper, I would say, but you know, David Raya was was top of the charts, not only uh, with the save, but especially more on the on on the ball, right? I mean, maybe we'll touch on him later. Um He's actually started for Arsenal. Um, but yeah, it, it should not have been. I mean, it, it was a gift. Yeah. And maybe that's what Newcastle needed right now, just to kind of get themselves back on track. But maybe it's not really a full show because a lot of the times, even when teams get a break like that, they don't truly feel that level of confidence that you'd expect because it's not like through their own doing. Yeah, I mean they they did deserve some luck after after the the first four games, a very tough stretch of games that they've had. Um, 
but it, it it's Newcastle. You know they have a they have a good home crowd. Um, that that they can always rely on that. You know, it it seems like they always get the the nighttime football, where obviously the atmosphere is going to be better than a than a three p.m. kickoff. Um, yeah, I I don't know if that's something. You know the the league is kind of favoring favoring them. I I don't know, but that's like what the third primetime kickoff that they've had in the first five games. Yeah, it is kind of weird. Still, I I did notice that as well, but I didn't really put the put the dots like that though. But now that you mention it, kind of kind of is I don't want to say concerning, but something to keep an eye out for for sure. Yo, your discussion on Raya though. His start yeah. against Everton was quite impressive, especially in my eyes. Clean sheet, commanded his area, good on the ball. Yo, he was he was actually very good. And what I like about him as well, he had that kind of that know-how in terms of how to hand, handle the time, the game management side of it. Hats off to him. This is pretty much a mirror of two years ago where... Right, because Ramsdale started after the international break. Was it against West Brom at home, right over over Leno? Or oh, am, maybe not I... West Brom, but I know what you're talking. In the same same kind of setting of Ramsdale came and take over the right. number one essentially. Right, right, and then we know we know we know the rest. I mean, Peter Schmeichel, one of the best keepers in the in the Premier League ever, he's come out and said. A keeper's a special position. They don't need competition. They need they need the knowledge and the support and confidence that they will be, you know, the, the starter no matter what. Right. And I mean, just just what do you think about having two good keepers? You know, maybe not the best, but two top class keepers. I mean, Ramsdale must be feeling a bit hard done by everything that he's done. He just signed a new contract this summer. What, do you agree with this? You know, decision to sign Raya and, and start him. I, I know Ramsdale's probably going to be at home thinking, "Damn, I'm going to be the same thing that I did to Leno might be happening to me right now," and for no obvious reason, right? He wasn't like bad or anything like that. Well, that's the thing, right? Is so. I don't like this concept of number one, of this starting keeper or or anything like that. Because what why not? Because if you you don't go into a season picking a starting eleven, you go into a match picking a starting eleven. So why does why do you have to identify or announce who is going to be your starters for the season, when in reality, that can change on the back of every match. So I like the idea of having a, another keeper coming, not just for the competition, but for the rotation, for the style of game that you're going for. Ramsdale, by the way, yes, overall, he's been very good for Arsenal. Everyone's happy with him overall. But in the last few games, He's been making some weird errors, if we're being honest. Against against Fulham, he made the error. He made a weird error on the Pereira save. He should have been grabbing that. He's been doing that like quite consistently, honestly, to the point where people were even questioning that. So 
not just be it that is also an opportunity when you have the when your players are out of form to be able to rotate so i'm all for it i just i mean i i hear you like but nobody starts the season saying this guy is going to be our starter every single game or, or or week but keepers a special position you know they don't run around 10 miles every every game and i just think there's a there's a reason why nobody does this. If this was something that, you know, going to work every time, um, I think we would see a lot more top teams doing this. I just think it's been overlooked. I just don't think it's been something that has been thought of by many managers. Um, this guy's making Arteta a, a, a innovator or something. No, no. I'm just, I'm just, th- I just think he's. Look, I'm not saying he's innovating. I'm just saying I think he's aware and attentive to the detail because I don't think a concept of depth was a major thing in, in football history as much as it is now. Even in the keeper position? I just think in general. I think nowadays in modern football, depth has been valued and classed way higher than it has ever been in world football, in, in the history of football. And correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe there is some time like way in the past before that I don't know about. But I just know now depth is valued very highly. And I think now that's growing and expanding to beyond just the outfield players to now the keepers. There also needs to be keeper depth. What happens if one play, one keeper gets injured? That can happen at any moment. We had Leno got a freak injury one season against Brighton. That can happen at any moment. Right. I mean... We'll see. This might all just be a moot point. It, it could be that uh, David Raya starts in, in the Champions League and Ramsdale starts in the league. We've, we've seen that before. Um, but on the performance, a win's a win. Um, I thought Everton might have a new owner bounce. Not a new manager, but a new owner bounce. But um, but but they didn't. I, I don't think Arsenal played that great anyway. But Everton... I expected more from Everton. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yes, from the games that they've played, they've they've actually created a bunch of decent chances. They just haven't been able to come, and, and they've been a bit unlucky too. But today, it was dreadful. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I just don't see the potential in them that much in general. And they have a few good well, players here and there, but I don't yeah, see- but- no, I'm not saying they're some league winner or anything like that, but that performance, oh my goodness. That could be one of the worst this season. We'll I think ever... Arsenal controlled the game. Arsenal's game style is different this season. We're slowing it down, we're keeping possession. Yeah. And I think it works better away from home than, than at home for you guys, really. Yeah, possibly. I'd like to see some more fluidity, some more you know, guilt-edge chances created, but you know, the manager the manager has the thing for trusting, you know? Yeah. Overall, um, we won't even bother talking about Chelsea. They don't deserve the screen time. <laughs> That's all we have time for today. Guys, thanks for tuning in as always. We hope you enjoyed your time with us. Remember to subscribe, to leave comments, and share with your friends. Follow us on social media at FOTBPod. Don't forget to leave a review, rating, and most importantly, 
don't forget to turn on those notifications. Join us again next time as we discuss the highly anticipated upcoming Premier League action. Thanks again as always. See you then.